Have you ever watched little children play hide and seek? One child usually walks toward a tree, covers his or her eyes, and counts to 10. Uh, the other children, they scurry to find cover and usually wind up in places not too hard to see them. The seeker, after counting to 10, goes on the quest to find the children and usually finds them without too much difficulty. May I say to you that the game of hide-and-seek is a good analogy of us, the seekers, looking for God who is invisible, but he isn't hard to find. His wisdom is also not hard to find if we seek it. Uh, turn with me, please, in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And as you're turning to 1 Timothy chapter 1, I have two questions for your consideration. Number one, how wise is God? Question number one, how wise is God? And then number two, what should our response be to God's wisdom? Let me read 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 through 17. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you that you are a wise God and you want us to seek your wisdom. Help us to understand your nature better and what you expect of us. Guide us by the spirit of truth into your wisdom today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first point is the invisible God is eternally wise. The invisible God is eternally wise. Paul begins giving praise to God, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me. Let's stop and uh, take a look at the verb here, enabled. The root of the verb is duna, which speaks of ability. So Christ Jesus has given Paul an ability because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Paul clearly understood that it was the Lord Jesus Christ who halted him on the road to Damascus, revealed himself to Paul, and then the apostle to the Gentiles was set aside for that ministry. An extraordinary calling. Paul continues, although I was formerly a blasphemer, uh, he didn't even know it. He hated the name of Jesus prior to salvation, not understanding who Jesus Christ is. A persecutor and an insolent man, an arrogant man, we could say. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly 
abundant. The two words exceedingly abundant appear first in the Greek sentence. Why? Because the grace of God was exceedingly abundant, and the emphasis is placed there. Paul continues with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And in a verse I remember (laughs) memorizing decades ago, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I am. Traditionally, when Jesus makes the statement, it's ago a me, a statement of deity. Paul turns the words around. <laughs> he does that, and I've, I've pondered, and, I, and, and, I, and I've wondered on numerous occasions, did he do that? because he didn't want to even in any way imply that he's like Jesus Christ. The humble apostle could have done that very deliberately, and this is what we have. He understands that as he came in contact with the holy God, that he was a frail man and he was wicked. He was convicted and was saved. Paul says, though, however, for this reason I obtained mercy— that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. I encourage folks all the time concerning their unsafe spouses, family members, relatives, neighbors, co-workers, don't give up. Uh, Paul would have seemed very hard-headed toward the gospel of Jesus Christ from the perspective of the outside Christian, but Jesus Christ engaged Paul And then Paul could only say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Paul bursts out in a doxology in verse 17. Now to the king eternal, and he is, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise. Be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I want you to observe that as Paul thinks about his conversion, that he He has to give praise to the Almighty, who alone is wise. God's plan for our salvation displays his wisdom. I want to show this to you in two aspects. Number one, as you're turning to Romans chapter 16, concerning our salvation. God is wise, and for our salvation, his wisdom is clearly displayed, and then secondarily, we'll see in our sanctification. Romans 16, verse 25, now to him who is able. Let's stop, let's pause, let's reflect. We've we've seen the root before, have we not? Who is able. It speaks about ability and is translated such on this occasion. Now to him who is able to establish you, to make you firm or fixed is the idea, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Notice the context here pertains to salvation. We're looking at the gospel in Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery, mysterion, a sacred secret, once concealed, now revealed. But Paul is going to show that this mystery was not known in the past. This is something that has been revealed to him and the other apostles. The mystery kept secret since the world began. 
think about it, back to Abram, Genesis 12 and verse 3, I will bless those that bless you, I will curse him who curses you, and we would see that the Gentiles would also have a witness, but we never understood fully from just the Old Testament how that would work with the church, the mystery, the sacred secret was not revealed in the past. Paul points out, but now, but now, see in verse 26, but now made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to whom? To all nations, not just to the Jews, but to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience to the faith. Notice the closing here in verse 27, to God, alone wise. Context, salvation, looking at the gospel, the mystery, the sacred secret, once hid, now revealed. (laughs) How amazing, but thinking Again, it's about the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God. Our God displays vast wisdom when it comes to the whole plan of salvation. Uh, Turn with me now uh, toward the end of the Bible to the book of Jude, just before Revelation. Book of Jude, and as you're turning there, we want to see another doxology, but this time the doxology refers to sanctification, to the security of the believer. Are you with me, Jude? Uh, Down to verse 24, where we will see a familiar term. Now to him who is able. (laughs) You have to just sit back and relax in God. Why? Because he's able. He is eternal. He is immortal. He can do anything. He has ability. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Stumbling. Stumbling occurs only here from the Greek New Testament, but Xenophon, an Athenian philosopher, uh, a warrior as well, uh, uses this term when it came to a sure-footed horse. This is what God does. He gives us sure footing. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior who alone is what? He's wise. That's our God. He's wise. Be glory and majesty. See, he already possesses those things. The writer is ascribing, acknowledging the attributes of God. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So the invisible God is eternally wise. And here is point number two. Seek wisdom. See, pursue it. Seek wisdom from the eternally wise God. First of all, I believe we are to seek his wisdom from the Word of God. The Word of God Uh, By the way, it's the Word of God that gives us wisdom leading to eternal life. Uh, Turn with me this time, not the first Timothy, but the second Timothy, please. Second Timothy, chapter 3. Familiar verses, but we want to go back to verse 14. Not just about the Scripture being inspired, but the passage prior. Second Timothy 3, 14. Paul writes to his younger associate, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Well, this 
part Gentile, part Jew, right? His father was Greek. His mother and grandmother uh, were Jewish. And Eunice and Lois, we learn about them in the beginning of this book, had pointed Timothy in the way of the scriptures. So Paul says, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you, give me the term, wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, we must seek God's wisdom from the Word of God because it points us to eternal life. Then we have all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man, the person of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we turn to God, we seek his wisdom, we need it for salvation. Also, it makes wise the simple. The individual who seemingly doesn't know much can be made wise by the revelation of the word of God. Listen to Psalm 19, verse 7, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And by the way, God's wisdom is a treasure. And if you know you have treasure, what do you do? You go dig it up. If in your backyard you were informed because you found a treasure map, the exact location for a treasure, you'd go digging. Wouldn't take you any time. You go find a pick, you get your shovel, and off you go. We have a treasure before us in the Word of God. We are told in Colossians 2 3, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. From Father, from Son, we have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Gotta pursue it though. Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Such a practical book, is it not? <laughs> a book that is given to display wisdom to us. And once we take this wisdom, implement this wisdom, we live skillfully. And that's what we all need to know how to live skillfully. Verse 1, Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom. See, you're, you're stretching out the ear. When someone's talking, you, you want to catch every word. And apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. And catch the word now, then. We had if, if, if you do these things, then. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find a knowledge of God. Then in Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. See, it comes to the person seeking after it. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. How beautiful to think that once we seek after the Lord in his word, after his person, that he grants us these treasures have you considered the difference between a strong and a weak cup of tea? You have the same ingredients, water and tea. The difference between the strong and the weak 
cup is how long that bag with the tea leaves sit in the water. The longer the water has access to those tea leaves, the stronger the cup becomes. You have to let it steep. The same is true when it comes to the Word of God. You have to let it steep. We are to read the Word of God. I've written two devotion books, Devotions on Fire and Devotions on Fire Year Two. Why? I just simply want people to read through the Scripture in one year, and then I give practical uh, information from those passages that can be implemented throughout the day. Very important, we read the Word of God. It's also essential we hear the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. We need also to study the Word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15, I remember the King James, study to show yourself approved unto God. Then we have to memorize God's Word. We have to treasure it in our hearts, as it says in Psalm 119.11, not to sin against God. And also, we need to meditate upon the Word of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. You need to allow this Word to steep, and the more it steeps, the stronger you become. That's such an important thing in the Christian life. I think sometimes Bible study is just information overload without processing and implementing what we have just been taught. That's why I give the fire methodology. You become familiar with the Word of God, having great respect for what's in the text. The word familiar comes from the Latin connected to family. It's a living word. We get familiar with the Scripture, reading through the Scripture, asking good questions from the passages. Then we go to the next step, from the F to the I. We interpret the Word of God to understand the meaning that is before us, but we have to relate it. We relate it to the surrounding context, the book in which it occurs, and then to the entire Bible. But we're not done yet, are we? We have that E, that critical E for employment. We have to put into action what we learn. James warns us not to be hearers only, but doers of the Word of God. So we have to take this serious. We have to take Bible study, and we have to work through those steps and put it into action so we can be strong Christians, because that's what we are called to be. Wisdom is just so vital to our lives. Uh, Job was a wise man. He often shunned evil. He turned away from evil. He sought the Lord. Listen to Job 28, 28. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And apart from evil is understanding. So the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Understanding the essence of our God. And that's what happens when you steep. That's what happens when you take your mind and saturate it with the Word of God. And you get a good understanding of His person you come to appreciate him. And there was a fear, doesn't understand, is when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. He was moved. He changed. 
What did he want to do after he saw the Lord and understood that his life would not be taken from him? Here am I, Lord, send me. We understand we are dust and ashes, called by a holy God who wants to give us wisdom to serve him well and then reward us. Also, I think we steep in wisdom when we walk with wise people. Uh, Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Rub shoulders as much as possible with those who have spent time allowing the word of God to saturate their minds, leading to difference of activity. In other words, they're living like Christians. Very important. We walk with wise people if we want to be wise. And when you go through that trial, child of God, when you go through those difficult things, James informs us, if anyone lacks wisdom, this is James 1, 5, let him ask of God. God doesn't want us to be double-minded, in James 1.8, a, a double-minded man, a double-souled man, Lily, is unstable in all his ways. Ask God for wisdom, turn to his word, turn to godly people. He'll, he'll saturate you with wisdom, and that'll make for a blessed day. So the invisible God is eternally wise, point number one. Number two, seek wisdom from the eternally wise God, and finally display God's eternal wisdom. Now we want to go to book of Ephesians, over to the book of Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians to understand our riches in Christ, and then how we are to implement our position in Jesus Christ is the second half of the book. Let me read this little section to you, and then I'll come back and make some comments. Ephesians chapter 3, 8 through 13, Paul writes to me, who am last and least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see What is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages had been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him, Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. As we consider the Apostle Paul understanding the rich nature of his God, he was humbled. He says to me, who am less than least of all the saints, same kind of thinking as 1 Timothy 1.15, as being the chief of sinners, He understood that if it were not for the grace of God, he would be eternally lost. And to this former blasphemer, insolent, arrogant man, what did the Almighty do? Call him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. What an extraordinary transformation. See, that I should preach among the Gentiles, and and I, I love the terminology, the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
They're beyond tracing or tracking down. <laughs> you could spend all your lifetime studying the Word of God, and you've only begun the journey, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of what? The mystery, that sacred secret. Imagine God bringing together Jew and Gentile alike. Extraordinary. Even Paul's greetings. For instance, in, in many of his letters, grace to you and peace from God to Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you was a Greek greeting. But then when he refers to peace, that was the Hebrew shalom. Why? Because what was Paul's ambition to see the Jew and the Gentile become one through Jesus Christ. That was the mystery that was not known in Old Testament times, but now the church brings them together. This is the heart of the apostle. Verse 10, to the intent that now, and it, catch the expression, the manifold wisdom of God, the many-faceted, sided wisdom of God, the idea in classical Greek was a flower with multiple colors. It's so beautiful, but so complex. That's who our God. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to whom? The principalities. And you stop and you go, what does it mean that we're revealing God's wisdom to the principalities? You mean the good and evil angels? Yes. First Peter 1.12 shows that the angels stoop down to learn about the things of God, the gospel. That's what they do. So when you're preaching, pastor, on a Sunday at church, guess who's in attendance? The angels. But even the demons marvel when we display to them God's grace, that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, that's you and me, child of God, to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And this is all according to his eternal purpose. God has given us a great calling, and now it is our responsibility to be the displayer, to be the one who shows to individuals, to the angelic realm, this manifold wisdom of God. Let's do that. Let's display God's eternal wisdom. So step back for just a moment Let's review the three points, consider what we need to do. Number one, the invisible God is eternally wise. As you are studying the Word of God, take time and consider His nature, that He is all-wise when it comes to salvation and sanctification, our eternal security. Our God is eternally wise, and the sooner we learn to marvel at Him, the quicker we will be to want his wisdom. So take that time, ponder the wisdom of God. Number two, seek wisdom from the eternally wise God. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in a context of a history of philosophers, the Socrates, the Aristotles, the Plato's, okay? And he says all this is foolishness compared to the wisdom of God. See, they were looking for God under the sun. They excluded the Almighty and were trying to figure things out. We understand who God is by divine revelation. There's an unveiling. The Word of God, if not given to us, would have left us in the dark. 
But now, because we understand what is revealed in this book, we are to seek wisdom from whom the eternally wise God. Seek it, child of God. Pursue it. Go after it. We all need to live skillfully. You cannot do that without seeking the wisdom that comes from the eternally wise God. And then finally, and recognize your privilege and my privilege, display God's eternal wisdom. To think that our neighbors, our unsafe family members, co-workers, those who watch us in a restaurant, bow our heads and thank the Almighty for his provision. Wherever we go, we are to display God's eternal wisdom. People should see that there's something significantly different in us, and it is Christ in us who is the hope of glory. And then we have the angels, both good and bad, looking into these things. May we be great displayers. May we be great displayers. See, God is invisible. So he sent Jesus. In John 1.18, we learn that Jesus had come to reveal the nature of the invisible God. Well, now Jesus is at the right hand of God, and he's given us the assignment to be that displayer. So let's display God's eternal wisdom well. Let us be individuals that when we are watched by man and angel alike, could see that our God is eternally wise. Join me in prayer. Father, I thank you because you have revealed yourself to us in your wisdom through the word. May we cherish it. May we seek after that wisdom from the eternally wise God. May it be our pursuit each and every day. And then, Lord, as you are saturating our beings with your word and as we're implementing the truths of the word of God and showing wisdom, may we be great displayers so this world in which we live can come to understand that we serve a wise God to him alone. Be the glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching today's sermon. Uh, there is a book that is the basis for the 14 lessons, Attributes of God on Fire. Uh, there are actually 10 other fire books where you can learn more about us at comermanorbiblechurch.com. And then I have a foundation, Ken J. Bird Senior Foundation.com. And finally, we have a father and son podcast. We would love to have you join us. God bless you.